A website is never finished, especially a B2B tech website. Welcome to Forward Slash, the podcast that explores how B2B tech companies can leverage their websites to achieve fast, efficient, predictable, and scalable growth. In each episode, I take a big issue affecting the B2B tech landscape and then pick the brains of marketing leaders around the world to learn how the issue affects the questions B2B tech marketers should be asking about their websites and how to answer them. Let's get into it. Camille Trent, uh, Director of Content and Community at PeerSignal, uh, previously Head of Content at Dooley, and uh, quite an established leader in the B2B SaaS marketing community. Thank you so much for, for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Adam. Totally. I'm, I'm really excited for this. I'm a big fan of yours. I love the content uh, you've been publishing on LinkedIn, especially in your new role at PeerSignal, about all the cool stuff that, that you guys are doing and, and accomplishing. So I think that's probably the best place to start. Uh, if you don't mind telling me about Peer Signal, what it does, and your role there. Yeah, yeah. So um, I've been at Peer Signal for now just about a month, um, mm-hmm. and so we, unlike most uh, SaaS companies, kind of started in reverse in a lot of ways. So the the quick backstory is that Adam, one of the co-founders, this is his fourth venture now. So he's he's done done this a few times. He's made a few SaaS products. And um, essentially how this one started it was as like a passion project. So um, him and uh, technical co-founder, Andrew, they worked on uh, this data set uh, to essentially kind of just track track B2B SaaS, uh, track trends in marketing, trends in sales, like really wanted to just understand like how to go to market both for themselves. They kind of knew that they wanted to build a, a SaaS product together. Uh, they didn't know exactly what that would look like or what they wanted to build, um, but uh, instead just kind of listened to listen to the market um, and what they wanted. So, uh, so yeah, essentially uh, Peer Signal was uh, um, the first stage and it's really a research and media property. Um, and uh, it's manifest in a, in a few different databases. So curated databases where you can learn about um, P- the PLG model, where you can learn about um, just general B2B uh, hiring trends, um, and uh, learn a lot just from our databases. Then we started adding curated galleries. So um, B2B pricing pages, home pages. So uh, you can essentially benchmark G- GTM, see what other companies are doing more easily. So it's really just this resource for people like us, right? Uh, mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, B2B SaaS nerds, essentially, um, to just uh, geek out on on different G- GTM strategies. So, so that's how, how it started. And then um, as they as they were going uh, down this road, um, started uh, just a couple of months ago, like expanding the team, um, wanting Peer Signal to remain separate from the eventual SaaS product. So we've been building a, a SaaS product kind of in in stealth based on um, some of the insights from Peer Signal. So naturally, some people kind of started coming inbound and we're like, hey, can you help us? Um, uh, identify and uh, like target our correct like ICP. Like you have all this data and I'm kind of like trying to curate it, you know, to use it for in our go-to-market approach, uh, whether it's more, you know, ABM or more like a sales um, or a blend of that. We're kind of already starting to use our uh, free resource that way. 
And so started getting some uh, inbound inquiries uh, about uh, uh, just a more consultative um, product, I suppose. And so, sure. so from there, like we, we uh, had a few uh, design partners. So um, paying customers that, that came in, um, but uh, still haven't launched, like officially launched that uh, product. So it's really, it's really kind of unique. And I think by the time this episode comes out, that product will be live and launched. Um, so it'll be interesting to, to watch that happen. Um, but uh, going back to me and my role, I'm director of content and community at Peer Signal. So that'll continue to be my primary focus is um, keeping up our um, media and research arm and making sure we're um, producing you know, top tier go-to-market insights and data and curating those in the way that our target customers are not even customers our, our target audience like really wants to see them like uh, we want this to cons- to be an evergreen you know, go-to resource for sales and marketing leaders so so that's uh, essentially my role and then more of a advisor role on the uh on the SaaS product gotcha gotcha i yeah i love what you guys are doing and and you know, we're going to dive into all the data that you're collecting at Peer Signal, at Peer Signal and, you know, what you're seeing uh, specifically in the B2B SaaS side. But I'd first like to take a step back and kind of get your thoughts on the overarching reality of, of the B2B SaaS market today, um, how buyers are entering the market, the implications it has for us as marketers working in this space. You know, we this whole idea of of the dark funnel and dark social, whatever you want to call it, buyers are basically walking themselves through their own journey, right? And as a leader in both community and content, you bring uh, a very interesting perspective to the table. So I'm curious what you think this reality means for B2B SaaS marketers. I think I'd start with the fact that buyers have the power now and there's a lot of factors that go into that um and that doesn't have to be something that doesn't have to be a negative like for for tech companies the best tech companies are just embracing that so i'll kind of start there but it's funny uh adam and i had been talking about this like all day pretty much all week um about this concept so uh if you're just going after the three percent that are in market right now you're leaving a lot on the table so um, the companies that are focusing, you know, 90%, let's say, of their go-to-market efforts on trying to capture people or force people like into a buying journey versus trying to educate and uh, in, in, inspire and uh, just create like good content uh, that's around your category and trying to own um, and educate on the category. Now you're able to capture, you know, parts of that other 97%, right? When you take that, mm-hmm. um, that, that bigger approach and like now you can own, or at least you have the opportunity to own more of that market share. So mm-hmm. communication, uh, the fact that social media exists, um, you can have global peers, right? Like you can, uh, especially with remote work, uh, you probably have, uh, peers all over, the country that you're working on, maybe all over the world. So, um, and then on top of that, add in LinkedIn, add in some of these other social networks, and you can connect with other B2B marketers all over the place. And you can crowdsource 
um, insights about different tech, right? And so you can really be like, hey, I'm thinking about buying this technology. Um, what do you guys think, right? Um, and uh, and you can get like that feedback from existing customers, from other people evaluating that customers. It's all it's all real time. So I think like that's really changed the dynamic dynamic and. Even before that, you know, like the rise of search. So um, you can more easily look up reviews, uh, look up, you know, research on a product. And then you also have uh, PLG, right? So you have you have these companies that are uh, prioritizing the way that customers want to experience a product, the way that they want to like interact as, um, as buyers or users and uh, just different ways that you can like try before you buy. So um, there's like the freemium model where you can um, get into the, the product and use all or, uh, you know, a small, a small portion of the features um, before you buy. Um, there's also things like interactive tours, you know, that you're seeing more and more uh, vendors uh, put on their website. So just to give people a sense of what they do, uh, video tours. So you have all those things like combined and like you have a much better understanding of like what you're getting yourself into based on feedback from peers, based on your interactions with that product. Um, and so you're really not like going into it blind. Uh, and we're seeing more like month to month pricing, right? Or even like the concept of like visible pricing in B2B is still pretty right. new. So all of those things combined, like tell me that it's a, it's a buyer's market and more so PLG companies, like we we did some research recently and found that um, two thirds of the 2022 um, Cloud 100 are PLG companies. So what that tells us is the companies that are embracing this, that are embracing uh, the user experience, the the way that people want to buy, um, those are the companies that are winning. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting. Uh... Like, I feel like we just, we kind of inherently understand that as, as marketers, but for whatever reason, we've just like painted ourselves into a corner, right? Because technology and, and all of its power and capability, it it's given us this narrow focus on just kind of like hacking away at that 3%, right? And, and it just kind of like begs the question, what are we doing about the rest of the 97%? Um, and that's kind of like the, that's the other half of of, of what you're doing at, at Peer Signal, right? That's like the kind of the kind of community aspect of it. So I'm I'm curious on your thoughts there as far as like today for B two B SaaS, what's more important? Is it the community side? Uh, you know, whether that's an owned community that you're building within, let's say Slack or something, or whether it's like employee advocacy on on LinkedIn, um, or is it the website? Um, you know, between the two and and. You know, I know you're near to new to Pure Signal, so I'm, I'm sorry if I'm putting you on the spot here, but I'm curious how you're thinking about balancing the two because it sounds like they're both pretty important. Yeah, no, that 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 is a good question. So um, we've we've really gone the the way of let's um, engage an audience, right? Let's like open a discussion about go to market, right? Um, about like what's working, what's not working, what the best companies are doing well. Like we've essentially just been tracking the B2B SaaS market, like through our, through our dat databases um, and then through our research. So, you know, every time we, we publish a, um, a newsletter once a week, right. And so that forces us to, uh, to, to go into the data and analyze it. Right. And then um, 
see the story within there. Um, and then that also like positions us as, as thought leaders, like around um, go to market. Um, and then, you know, it's Adam and I that are working the most closely on this part of the business. And coincidentally, like we're both go to market leaders, right? Like um, have been in like the, the B2B SaaS, like marketing world um, and have those uh, connections and conversations like that we, that you'd need to kind of like add to the quantitative research. So um, that has been like the, the primary advantage. And then I think there's the distribution side is, yeah, like the newsletter. Um, some of the things that we look at are, you know, open rates, but also replies like engagement. And then we link those things together, like what's happening on social. Um, Cause we will reformat the research that we do in a, in typically like a slide uh, or carousel um, like type version. Cause we know that that's like the best fit for that channel. Um, and then we try, we, you know, we try other things like um, screen captures and long form posts um, and just get a sense of like, you know, what uh, format and packaging that people want to see on that platform and then what's sparking the right conversations with the right uh, folks, right? So if we're aiming for, we're aiming to speak at like the, the VP sales and marketing level, we'll know if that's working if VPs of sales and marketing like are replying to it um, mm -hmm. and uh, and having you know, quality comments and things too, right? So there's that. And then there's like the fact that both of them are linked, right? Where when we send out a newsletter, we link back to the, to that post. Um, and in, in our post kind of a, a teaser posts, I suppose, like those will, uh, you know, encourage people to sign up for, for the newsletter or tease, you know, what we're going to uh, introduce in, in the newsletter or what we did in that, that newsletter. So, um, so that's essentially kind of been uh, phase one uh, for us has been um, nailing that. Um, and now kind of at the point where it's standardizing um, the, the process of that, making it more efficient so we can eventually add yeah, other channels and things. But um, and thinking about turning audience like more into community, we think that we've built like a little bit of a borrowed community, I guess, in a way um, where it's, you know, it mostly lives on uh, on LinkedIn or, um, right. you know, through through email. Um and it still skews a little bit more um, one-to-many one kind of like conversation uh, or a one-way conversation rather than like a two-way conversation. So we want to move to it uh, being even more of a two-way conversation. Gotcha. Yeah, it's, um, it's an interesting point. And I just uh, recently read something that kind of perked my ears a little bit, specifically with LinkedIn the statistic I read was branded content is only competing for like 20% of impressions on LinkedIn. And I think it's kind of similar to on, on other platforms, whereas personal branded content opens it up to the rest of, of LinkedIn. Right. So this is kind of like, they're pushing us into this kind of community um, mindset. So um, let's migrate from community to the website and uh, you know, you've, you're sitting in, uh, from a particularly like advantageous uh, vantage point at Pure Signal because you're collecting all this data on what's working the most uh, for you know for successful B2B SaaS companies, you know, specifically as it pertains to websites. Um, I'm curious if you can bridge that gap for me. Uh, what are some of the biggest perhaps areas of improvement um, for B2B SaaS companies that are trying to become that next unicorn or you know start chipping away at, at the market leader? 
Yeah. Um, I think one of the biggest things is really just the offer, right? Do you, do you have a compelling offer? And I think early days, the obvious choice was SEO, right? Like if you have enough how-to content around your category or around like some of the problems that you solve, then you can drive a lot of traffic there and some of that traffic will trickle down into buyers. So that's still a way um, um, to do it. Uh, but, you know, thinking about content as the offer there, right? Or early, mm -hmm. early HubSpot model was, you know, those blogs plus like the upsells of, um, of templates and, you know, these like these gated pieces basically to essentially um, get into your inbox um, for uh, lower cost leads. So if you think about those as, as uh, offers, um, that's, that's one way, right? And then you can also think about your product as the offer, like does your, is, is your product a painkiller or is it a vitamin, right? If it's, uh, if it's a, if it's a vitamin, it's gonna be hard to survive, like honestly, in the next, uh, in the next few months, maybe a few years here, right? Um, so understanding like where you're at and where you might need to pivot um, for your offer to become a painkiller, right? And then what are those like, supplementary offers. And in some cases for SaaS, that may be like, you know, new, new feature releases, right? Like, um, and, uh, something, you know, closer to the product. Uh, but then there's also again, like content as product. And so I think through, through peer signal, it's like, what do, what does our audience need? And we didn't have to get too caught up in, okay, but how, how does that tie back like directly to our product? Cause the product like didn't, exist like early days. Right. right? Um, and if, if anything, like the media company, like powered, like what the, or informed, like what the product should be right in the market informed, like what the product should be. So, so early days, it was just like, what, um, is missing in, uh, in B2B SaaS marketing and sales and, uh, yeah. And then just trying to deliver like the best possible, like resource for that. So, for, for us or what we landed on were, were these, these curated databases where you can like search and filter and uh, find jobs and then other, what we're calling galleries, I guess, uh, that you can, that you can look for and you can find like good examples um, on like how you should put together your website. So again, the reason that we knew like some of these things were um, the right moves was because they were in, uh, they were the type of content that we wanted to see like, uh, you know, that we were looking for anyways, right? So um, as, for instance, Adam was working on positioning and the website, it was helpful to have a homepage gallery where he can look at other, uh, not just homepages, because you can, you can search, you know, like best homepages, right? Um, and mm -hmm. there's a bazillion search results, but to, to find like the best B2B SaaS homepages like there's not a lot of search volume behind that I know because I recently recently uh, looked at it so um, to get that hyper specific and ignore the search volume and just follow kind of uh, market intuition of this is what people want we're gonna make it um, and then same thing with something like b2b SaaS pricing pages right like there's there's not like a huge demand for like that specific term but you know it's proved uh to be a cool tool for, for product marketers and product and, uh, and marketing leaders. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of good stuff there. Um, and I, I'd like to explore if, if, uh, if it's top of mind, what you're seeing as far as like 
the perfect, well, not the perfect homepage, but like successful homepages or pricing pages. But, um, you know, what, what kind of came to mind there is just from like a content strategy for B2B SaaS companies, like they're sitting on a trove of data, right? And it's just like, they can pull a narrative out of the, out of all of this data as a content offering, like you said, so best B2B SaaS homepages, you have the data there, let's offer it up as, you know, just um, a helpful resource. Um, so I think that's an, that's a really interesting point. But uh, I am kind of curious what you are seeing if we if we can, can dive into you know the cloud 100 uh, uh, websites and and like I said I, th I think you guys recently came out with a um, a report on homepages pricing pages I think there was a navigational analysis can we dive into the homepage yeah. at first what are you seeing as far as homepage yeah so uh, to set the stage uh, we curated around. 2000, um, 2000, uh, like home pages within oh. B2B SaaS, right? Um, I don't know, overpromise there, so it could be 1500 to, to 2000. Um, so our, our largest database is closer to 2000. Um, gotcha. so, so we, so we curated, um, all of those and yeah, looked for patterns. And the first thing that was, it's, that I think is helpful is to break it down into, um, so kind of like user experience. So, uh, navigation, I got as one element and, uh, CTAs, or you could say like the offer in some ways, like the CTA, um, and the headline subhead and the design. So I think like breaking those out into, into different elements, um, was helpful. And what, what we noticed was again, like some of the most successful businesses, like within B2B SaaS are, PLG. And so, so we noticed that, um, within PLG or even just within all of them, but specifically in PLG, we'd see a blend of CTAs. So we'd see, um, them saying, get a demo and, um, sign up for free. Right. But the ones that tended to be in the cloud 100, or that tended to be a little bit bigger and a little bit more successful, like didn't hedge, they would typically only have one CTA that was just sign up to try the product, right? So if you're thinking about like the, the Figmas and the Miros of the world, um, ClickUp, uh, like all of those are pretty much just like sign up for free. They don't mm -hmm. worry about like uh, putting you in a sales cycle right away um, or like confusing which thing that you should do. So um, so that's like a trend that I saw that was interesting. Another one was um, the headline itself usually answers the the what, sometimes like the the who. So you really you instantly understand like what category of product this is. So Pape from um, CXL and Winter uh, also came across like something of his that like added to this that I thought was interesting. Of uh, the there's the, the the headline, but then like right above the headline, sometimes there's like some small text um, mm -hmm. and you can like use that small text to kind of like stamp your, your category on it um, without trying to like weave it into the, the headline, which I thought was kind of smart. So, um, you know, if you're a certain type of platform, you know, like the, um, what was it? Collaborative design tool or um, sales engagement platform or whatever it is, like you can kind of like put that label, like, right above the headline. Um, and that's kind of like an easy way to, for people to instantly get, oh, okay. Like to easily categorize you and be like, okay, like this is the type of product that I'm looking for. Um, and then in the headline, oftentimes it'll address the 
unique selling proposition uh, to some degree. So for instance, like I can't remember their exact uh, title, but, but Figma's is something like, you know, the first collaborative design tool or something like that. Um, and so the difference is there's been SaaS design tools, like there's been these other, but like their thing in reading about their, their go to market was they were going to nail like the collaborative part of it. They were going to be like the easiest, like team design kind of like software. And so, um, emphasizing that I think like in, in the, uh, the H1 and then as they scaled, um, you know, I think they sold for what, 20 billion. <laughs> so, uh, as they wow. scaled, uh, and they added new features and things and became more of a platform than a tool. Um, so you have your like single point tools that are kind of like your smaller startups and you should really focus on like that niche and what you do better than anyone else. And then as you scale, I did notice that like some larger companies would use dynamic text that would like um, uh, switch out, you know, like some of, some of the text so they could just say more of like the types of things that you could do. I don't like that for most companies, right? Like most companies are too small to kind of get away with that. Um, but if you are like a big platform, like it may be, um, it may be a good play at some point. So that was really like a big insight was like, what is the right type of website, um, and like structure and positioning for my stage of company. So really figuring out like, what is it that we do right now? Um, because I think another mistake that uh, people can make early on is trying to sell the vision, right? Like eventually we're going to have this big platform and it's going to do X, Y, and Z, but your website can't promise that, right? Because the people that are coming in to buy are going to be like, hey, where, where's X, Y, and Z? And they're like, oh yeah, we, we don't have that yet, but like that's what we're going to be. And so you really do have to, to sell um, what you have now. So be very like straightforward in the, in the headline. Um and some, some headlines would also mention by name, like who they're talking to. So there are some that were like, hey, uh, dev, hey, dev leader with like a little like emoji wave. <clears throat> so they'd have kind of like that precursor to the headline. There'd be other ones that would say what they do and then who they do it for within the headline. Um, and then I think like the subhead, uh, sorry, I'm going to take like a drink of water here. Oh, no, you're good. I'm actually a little under the weather myself. I've been holding back a cough. Here. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, uh, we just moved here recently and it's, uh, it's pretty dry in Colorado. So I'm still getting used to it. Sorry. So subhead should, uh, should describe, I think like a little bit more of like the, the how and like the use cases to some degree, right. Where it's like, okay, I understand like what category of product this is. I understand like what it does. And then to get into kind of like what's unique about um, your, your company or and like what specific use case I might use it for. The subhead might, might get into that of we, we do that through X, Y, and Z, or we solve X, Y, and Z use cases. Like it might just get into a little bit more of the how, and then all of those things combined, like give you enough information about the fold that you may be willing to, um, to, uh, to sign up. And I think the other element is you'll always see some, some form of like social proof too. Right. So, um, whether that's, that's logos, um, uh, or there might be like a, a Kate little case studies, like mini case studies, uh, above the folder, like a little video, but uh, there's always going to be like some sort of social proof above the, the folds. And then if you're getting someone to take action, like thinking of ways that you can reduce the, the friction or reduce the feeling of the ask. So maybe the little, little micro copy that says, you know, no credit card required or, um, you know, no payment necessary or, um, you know, the sign up will take 30 seconds or whatever it is like any way that you can, um, 
have the perception of being really easy to get started. But uh, two other things I think were, um, again, some of the most, uh, the, the biggest, most recognizable um, SaaS names and who seem to be pretty successful. They also seem to take like a little bit of a old way, new way approach of like, here's here's what uh, used to be good. And like, here's how we're changing the game kind of a thing. So the first thing that comes to mind and they actually have a different website now, um, but Coda uh, used to have a website that said enough of this sheet. And uh, <laughs> and then there was this imagery of like a Google sheet uh, behind a person who is like um, face palm uh, reaction, right? So you get it instantly of like, they are redefining, um, reimagining like the uh, Excel or like the, the Google sheet, right? Um, and so that's like a good, I think, example of, of old way, new way type format. Um, there are a bunch of other uh, creative ones too. I can try and give you the, the link where I kind of um, list out a few of them that I saw. Um, the other one is navigation. I haven't like talked too much about, but I think another trend mm. was again, like especially in, product-led companies, like they would tend to have product um, on the far left side. And then they would have what I would call like buyer enablement or like product enablement, like type content, like next to that. So you may have things like templates or use cases or personas, you know, um, things like around the product that kind of give context into how to use the product. Um, and then on the far right side, you almost always see the, the call to action button in the top right, um, which is if you're a traditional B2B, it might be get a demo or talk to sales. And then uh, for product led, it would just be, uh, you know, sign get started for free or sign up for free, something like that. So, um, so that was a trend I saw. And then another way that I saw what I would call this like um, product enablement or buyer enablement or what, whatever you want to call it, um, even for companies like gong that are not product led um it seems like they were trying to kind of like come up with like other ways to address objections above the folds so they have like a few things above the fold that's like you know like uh why gong and uh you know customer stories and you know gong use cases right so they have all these other things like uh above the folds that kind of like let you get a glimpse into the product or at least how to use the product um, without actually providing you a free trial or a freemium experience. Yeah, that seems to be um, pretty popular these days as far as, um, you know, if you're more of like a, a traditionally sales-led organization or, you know, just as from like an acquisition standpoint, using the website to visualize, to help visualize the product, whether it's just like a GIF of, of somebody, you know, just you know, sliding across a specific feature within the product. Um, it sounds like you're seeing companies trending towards that or that, that that's probably like what the top or cloud 100 are, are using as more of a tactic on their websites. Yeah. I mean, to, to be honest, I didn't see it as obvious, like as I did okay. on um, Gong, but I liked the idea of it. So it's like, if I had to guess, like I would, I would guess that that becomes like more, um, widespread, like over the next year or so of just like, yeah, seeing more, um, more companies who know that they can't be PLG or it'd be very hard to be PLG, like try to leverage some of the strategies that work well, um, in that space, right. Or just try and bridge the gap between like 
um, the aware like you know low awareness like of, of a product right and like raving fan like like how can we um how can we sort of like bridge this like massive gap and i think some of that like enablement um you know product content is helpful for that um yeah something else that came to mind especially when you were describing kind of the new way old way or or i guess playing around with being a little clever in your messaging, I feel like it depends on your business stage, especially if you're like in category creation mode, right? Maybe it's more of a, what are you, right? Because I feel like if you're trying to be too clever, when people don't really even understand like the category, yet they're not even aware of that pain point yet, um, it's probably going to be a little bit risky, or just you're not going to see the kind of movement or, or you know, engagement. I think that makes sense. Um... Yeah, I think early, early days, like you're still figuring out what the product is and like what the next few iterations of it are going to be. And so just being as clear as possible about like, what's, what's the main thing that you do? And like, what's the thing that you do better? Like, why would I buy this product versus like getting ahead of yourself and, and selling, selling the vision or like over promising. So what I found from looking at some of the you know, better performing websites is that they feel too simple. Um, but that's why they work because you, mm -hmm. you instantly get it. There's no fluff. Like it's just, this is what we do. Right. Um, and I think there's like, you know, some product strategy involved in that. It's like, you have to be solving the right types of problems, right? Like solving those painkiller types of problems. But um, yeah, like early stage, it's just not overcomplicating it, not trying to get visionary, maybe not even trying to create a um, category like just yet. Like that's rarely like the best answer or like the best thing for an early, early stage like company to do. Um, but really just being like, here's where we've already found traction in the market. This is like the pain point. This is the reason that people are buying us right now. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And then like, uh, you know, listening to the market, iterating on that, you know, uh, seeing if there is like a, a new kind of like category that you can put yourself into. Um, but first just saying like, going back to the, to the drawing board or going back to those sales calls, like what were the, what was the reason that these people converted that these early customers like became customers. Right. Um, and like, that's your, that's your headline. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I think you're also collecting data on hiring trends, right? Yeah. So the latest uh, data uh, from our analysis on the cloud 100 was that uh, the top role, like or at least like the top GTM role, so sales or marketing role uh, that B2B SaaS companies are hiring is still um, AEs and AM. So um, account managers being usually the person like in charge of upsells and retention. Um, and then the next most popular was CS. So that all made sense. I think like given the times of like people um, prioritizing, keeping what they have, like retaining their existing customers. So um, the combination of AMs and CS uh, um, customer success, um, the companies are sort of like prioritizing this. And this is both across our B2B SaaS index. So everywhere, everyone from five person companies to 5,000 person companies and uh, 
cloud 100s, which um, on average are about like 1500 people um, or, you know, there's a lot, obviously a lot that are bigger than that too. So um, all of those like that, that held true. It was a significant difference between like cloud 100s or investing even more um, in those, but it makes sense because they're also, they also tend to be bigger. Right. So, um, so those were the top and then, uh, and then BDRs, um, SDRs mm -hmm. were third. And then after that, it was mostly marketing roles with ops kind of being near the bottom. So like marketing ops and rev ops, like being near, near the bottom of like those priorities. So it's like, again, like one, it depends on, it depends on stage, right? Like if that's like mm -hmm. what, what you should do, but, uh, but yeah, essentially like you're still seeing the same types of trends of like, you know, uh, sales is still being prioritized, but now you're seeing, um, you know, CS like surge a little bit, like right, right now. Um, and then with marketing, like the top priorities, like within marketing seem to be growth demand gen, which in some cases are interchangeable growth is kind of interesting. Cause I associate that a little bit more with, um, PLG, right. With like, a product centric, uh, type companies. Um, and demand gen, I, I associate a little bit more with like traditional, um, although both companies can have both. And then it was like community and uh, uh, and brand and comms kind of a thing. And then you're seeing like um, the ops. So um, I think like the insights here were just retention, how important like paying attention to your customer is, making sure they're successful, all of that. Um, and uh, yeah, within marketing specifically and within uh, the cloud 100, I think it was like 36, yeah, 36 of the 100 were actively hiring for community people, which I thought was interesting. Um, so that's a good like third of the top SaaS companies that are actively hiring for community. So, um, and a lot of those like already have communities. So it'd be interesting to see if they are now putting full-time people behind it, um, mm -hmm. but they started their community early, or if some of them are now just starting to create their community. Um, but the investments like in community and the difference between, uh, cloud 100s that are doing that and everyone else, like the Delta there is pretty significant as well. That's what jumped out at me is like companies that have proven themselves a little bit already, like think this is a good idea. Um, so maybe it is, uh, I'm obviously pretty bullish on it <laughs> given that mm -hmm. that's, uh, that's part of my title. Um, so I could be a little <laughs> bit, uh, uh, skewed here. But um, yeah, that that definitely jumped out at me as a, as a trend, especially with seeing like even some of the the more recent layoffs. Like I I noticed you know a couple of companies like I really really admired like lay off laid off a few um, sales folks and marketing folks, but both like both of them kept their community. Um, they kept like their their community roles. So I thought that was gotcha. interesting as well. That is really interesting. Um, I, I'll be honest, I I, I find it kind of surprise I think I find it surprising that uh, operations I think you said I think you mentioned RevOps is kind of lower um, on the list as far as prioritizations I think there's a larger conversation that's been had today about how important RevOps is and I, I came across a title a couple of weeks ago about how specifically in B2B SaaS like CMOs are starting to be replaced by CROs and I think it was more so like a clickbaity thing but um, I think there's some you know, there, there's, there's a reality to that. There, there's a reason why that article exists and kind of in line with what you were just saying, as far as layoffs, I think there's 
we might start to see that climb the list a little bit as companies become more efficient and, and, and realize the importance of RevOps. And um, I think it's kind of trendy to, to quote Chris Walker or mention Chris Walker in his work, but he's obviously doing a lot of work around like revenue R&D and, and how important that is. And I know I think that uh, just kind of uh, plays a, a piece in, in that conversation. Um, this is this is kind of a uh, I don't know. This may be a difficult question, but everything that we've we've talked about now, just uh, you know, up until this point about the Cloud 100 and and all the best practices that they're doing with their website, homepage, pricing page, you know, navigation, what have you, they're there for a reason, right? They're at the top for a reason. I think setting aside first to market because there's a huge advantage there. Um, what is what differentiates them from everybody else? Uh, from like a process or mentality standpoint? Is it more like customer centrism? Is it experimentation? They have like a, they bought into experimentation and iterative improvement. Is it speed? Is it all the above? Um, I'm curious what you think there. I think at the heart, it is putting the customer first, right? So it's like letting them experience and interact uh, with your brand the way that they want um, and eventually buy the way that they want, right? So I think that is still at the heart of it. Um, and then I think it's a great um, strategy and positioning as well. So um, I think like the biggest killer of startups is like lack of focus and clarity, right? So mm -hmm. it, it starts at the product level of like, what are we building and for who? Um, and then it's like the, you know, qu quarter to quarter, month to month of like, uh, being able to iterate fast, like uh, read the market, iterate fast, and then translate that into um, into a message to to communicate that um, well enough um, to uh, to sell the product, right? To um, mm -hmm. to grow, and so I think yeah, it starts with starts with the customer, like, and that that goes to how customers want to buy, but also like having feedback loops, having um, uh, a good way to track your market, research your market, talking with customers, all of that kind of like plays into, into one thing. So the, uh, the companies I think that are the most successful, um, bridge all of those things, right? Like the, the customer insights, the market insights go into, um, or reach the product org so that the, the, the product can like make, make something that the market actually wants, right? Like mm -hmm. that's a, that's the very foundation. But then it goes, uh, same thing for, for content, right? Like um, those insights reach content, content team can create the type of content that they want. They can also share that with the uh, demand, the demand gen team and product team, like where there's just like this open um, communication, like growth loop where it's like, you have, you have this growth loop and it's feeding the entire business, right? Like that's where you get what we call like high leverage activities um, mm -hmm. that, that don't just uh, support one, you know, uh, department, like they support like the whole business. So um, being able to kind of identify like those big rock activities that are going to make or break your business and then having a culture of um, action, right. Where you can like uh, feel comfortable experimenting and, um, and failing, right. And like building mm -hmm. in public, right. Like all, all of those things, like this, like culture of experimentation, um, and, uh, and like visibility, I guess is what it comes down to both in like, you know, your, 
you're sharing on sharing on social media, you're putting things out there, you're trying things. Uh, and then also the rest of your team knows what they're doing or knows what you're doing, knows why you're doing it. Um, and they can use that uh, in their departments as well. Beautifully said. Uh, so the, the last area that I'd like to explore with you before we close out here is, is content operations. Um, and you cover this topic uh, at length in your own podcast, uh, content logistics. And, you know, I, I encourage anybody who's listening to, to check it out a lot of good stuff, but, um, you know, whether, whether you're sales led product led marketing, marketing led community led organization, there's, there's always going to be this increasing need as you grow to produce, iterate, uh, repurpose content. And, you know, we, we, we see a lot of, uh, B2B SaaS marketing teams relying on their engineering uh, their product engineers to help with the marketing website. So that's obviously, um, you know, uh, an inefficient process. I, I'm curious, like, what else are you seeing? And, and you know, why, why do B2B SaaS companies in general have uh, problems scaling their content operations? Yeah, I think, I think part of it is they're, they're wanting to scale just to scale versus like scaling because they know scaling is going to get them a specific outcome, if that makes sense. So I think if you haven't done um, SEO at scale, if that's not your kind of like bread and butter, then that might not be, you, you either need to bring in an expert to do that um, or like reevaluate why you're doing it, right? Like, do we need to publish like five pieces a week and like figure out how to do that uh, effectively, if yes, like then great. Um, but it may be, it may be that you need to bring on like the right content person that's done that before. And that has, that has that system, um, to be able to put in place or as the leader yourself, whether it's at the CEO level or, um, uh, you know, VP of content type, type of level, like it's really helpful if like you spend the time to create the process so that it scales easily, if that makes sense. Um, like mm -hmm. you're forced to kind of create the system before you bring on new people. So then you're handing over a system, like a program, rather than just like handing over like bits and pieces of an experiment, right? So I think uh, taking the time to like, kind of like figure out something that works. Um, and then once it works, figuring out how to scale it. I think there it goes back to like too many companies try to scale something before they know it works and because they don't have the confidence whether it's like the numbers to back it um they don't want to spend too much of their time like on the um on the setup work because then they're like oh, okay i just i spent like a, a week or so like putting this process in place and i don't know if this is the right thing you know what i mean i don't know if this is like the <laughs> right, seems right. Or, yeah they're <laughs> like this seems right i like it in theory <laughs> right but like not enough to like um, focus like my whole uh, content strategy around it. So I think it comes down to like lack of confidence um, because it hasn't been proven, right? Um, and at that point, you should be a little bit more scrappy, in my opinion. Like you shouldn't have every last detail worked out until you have like recurring signals of like essentially the market saying like yes, yes, like more of this. You know what I mean? Like uh, mm -hmm. if you once you have those growth signals, then it's like okay, like now let's invest more resources and like outsourcing the production work on this podcast, right? Um, figuring out like the the foldering, you know, for this thing. Um, mm. Like, you know, you you scale like as you go. Um, 
And then I think it's, you know, setting aside the time in some cases to be like, okay, we believe in this thing. We know it's going to work. We have buy-in. We're going to take a couple days, a week, whatever it is to like build it out. Right. Um, but I think it's, it's really hard to do that because oftentimes you're asked to prove the channel. Makes sense. Um, are you ready for a couple of rapid fire questions? Yes, let's do it. I think I know what you're going to say to this, but um, what's one thing you wish more B2B SaaS marketers would do more of? Um, I, I think the I'll, I'll go focus. Like, I don't know if that's that's what you're thinking, but um, yeah, I, I think just getting really good at, at one piece of content or, or, or one channel first. Gotcha. Okay. So no, no, I thought it was going to be more community oriented. So it actually sounds like more companies are understanding and jumping onto this community led idea. They're, they're starting to get it. I think so. I'm, I'm hopeful. Um, are there any upcoming events uh, either you or, or Pierce Signal are, are taking part in? Uh, we are, are focused primarily still on, on the research um, to start with. So um, getting those big pieces out um, before we scale too far into like the, the events part. But we are going to be like um, guesting on a, on a few more podcasts. So recently cool. booked some of those. Awesome. Um, and what are other resources, publications, experts um, that uh, you think are, are good for B2B SaaS marketers to be checking out? Yeah, uh, lately I've been liking uh, Demand Curve. They have a good newsletter. Um, Winter, I think, has some like actionable um, website conversion content. Uh, yeah, and then just shameless plug for for Pure Signal for for all uh, go to market uh, examples and uh, data. There it is. And last question, uh, what's the best way for listeners to get in touch with you? Yeah, so you can find me at LinkedIn, uh, just Camille Trent. Um, and uh, yeah, just shoot me a DM if you have any questions about this episode or planning for the next year. And uh, yeah, wishing all B2B SaaS marketers the best during this uh, uh, interesting holiday, time. but interesting, <laughs> yeah, unprecedented time. Sure. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Camille. This has been great. Absolutely. Thanks for having me.